It's March 2023. Welcome to Muse News, the BCMA's monthly museum sector news podcast. Each month, we recap some of the latest breaking news, happenings, and announcements from museums, galleries, and heritage organizations across BC and beyond. I'm Ryan Hunt, reporting with BCMA co-anchor Leah Patterson. Join us as we explore the latest Muse News. Over to you, Leah. Thank you, Ryan. Vancouver Island Community receives $254,000 grant to protect Indigenous artifacts from natural disasters. In the event of a natural emergency, we're used to planning for the safety of people, buildings, and other infrastructure, but those aren't the only items worth saving. A team of First Nations first responders on Vancouver Island are now learning to protect sacred artifacts in case of emergencies. About a decade ago, a fire damaged priceless artifacts in Alert Bay, BC, just off northern Vancouver Island. Restoration experts scrambled to save the items, which is the type of work that the BC Heritage and Emergency Response Network focuses on. With climate change, I think it will become much more common, and the focus of the workshops that we're hoping to get out of this co-development process are not just for cultural institutions, said Sean Koopman, Protective Services Coordinator with the Strathcona Regional District. The Regional District has received a $254,000 grant to train more Indigenous first responders on how to rescue artifacts from water or fire damage. It is definitely a very unique and progressive initiative, said Koopman. It's definitely not a traditional activity done under this grant, but this isn't a traditional activity at all. Five hands-on workshops will be offered to First Nations on Vancouver Island to teach responders how to salvage artifacts threatened by disasters. During the Atmospheric River event in 2021, my village had experienced their second flood, and through the journey through the first flood and into the second, it was recognized how much regalia, how much devastation to the supplies that's required to create said regalia, was damaged through the flood, said Indigenous Planning Officer Nicole Norris. As an emergency management employee, Norris's role is to ensure that artifacts are preserved, whether they're in displays or still being used. One of the greatest concerns when having regalia that you wear or your masks that you wear is about contaminated waters, and then, of course, with mold, she said. Other members of the Emergency Response Network in places like Vancouver Art Gallery and Burnaby Museum. What they're trying to do is establish a network of people that are trained to go into areas like Lytton once it's been deemed safe to do so, to gear up the suits and do the salvage and restoration, said Koopman. Penticton Art Gallery to appear before council after having funding cut, Mayor says. Paul Crawford will present to council on April 3rd following recent public outcry over the matter. Mayor Julius Bloomfeld responded Friday, March 24th to the recent public outcry over the Penticton Art Gallery's funding cuts and says curator Paul Crawford will appear at council's April 3rd meeting to address the matter and answer questions. Local politicians gave unanimous support last week to cut the gallery's request for operating funding from $130,000 to $55,000 for 2023. Many members of the public have since taken to social media to voice their displeasure with the decision. Penticton is a community that is passionate about the arts, and we have seen that ardor on display as some have wondered why the gallery didn't receive the full amount it was requested through the city's grant program, Bloomfield said in a statement. Council and staff make decisions based on the information provided during the application process and in keeping with budget constraints. This year, that information suggested a lower financial need for taxpayer support. However, we're always open to new information, and that's why I'm pleased to announce that the delegation from the Penticton Art Gallery, including curator Paul Crawford, 
will attend the next Committee of the Whole meeting on April 3rd at 10 a.m. to provide more details to Council and residents directly. The gallery's 2023 operating grant from the city following Council's vote is less than what it was when Crawford was hired as curator in 2006. A number of councillors spoke to the Western News on Thursday, March 23rd, responding to their unanimous vote of cutting the gallery's operating funds. In its vote, Council also cut funding to the Ignite the Arts Festival, which is currently underway. Councillor James Miller said he'd like to hear more from the gallery and its situation before the 2023 budget is adopted. Bloomfield expressed his dislike with the matter being discussed in the media instead of privately with members of Council. This will be an opportunity for the art gallery to update documentation and for council to ask detailed questions before any changes, which could impact the budget, are made, Bloomfield concluded in a Friday afternoon statement. Historic Point Ellis House Closing in Victoria A well-known historic site and museum in Victoria is closing its doors due to what it calls a lack of funding. On Wednesday morning, Point Ellis House Museum and Gardens announced on social media that it was closing down effective immediately. Although we were able to successfully weather three years of the pandemic and address a significant amount of deferred maintenance at the site, we have been unable to secure sustainable funding for our operations from the province of BC, reads the statement. Kelly Black, executive director of Point Ellis House, says the closure came amid calls to the province for further funding. In 2021, all provincially owned heritage sites wrote to the province asking for sustainable funding, said Black. In the letter, we said closure was one of the outcomes if sustainable funding wasn't achieved, he said. Unfortunately, that day has come for Point Ellis House. Black says he's not sure what will happen to the property once keys are handed back over to the province. We are incredibly proud of the work our staff and volunteers have done to rehabilitate and reinvigorate this special historic site, work that we hoped could continue, said the museum in its statement Wednesday. In a statement Wednesday afternoon, the BC government said it wasn't aware that the Vancouver Island Local History Society, which has operated Point Ellis House on behalf of the province since 2019, was deciding to end operations. We have been in discussions with the current operator regarding their request to increase the site's annual operating funding significantly above its current level and are disappointed that they appear to have made the decision to relinquish their role, said the BC Tourism Ministry. The province says the Historical Society had been contracted to operate Point Ellis House until 2024. If the Society decides to end that contract early, the province says it will seek a new operator, which would take an estimated two to three months to complete. During that time, the province said it would look at ways to keep Point Ellis House open while a new operator is sought. While some site operators are seeking greater and longer-term financial operating commitments, These requests must be considered in light of other heritage sites that British Columbians would like the province to also fund and protect, said the ministry. The province says that since 2019, it has provided Point Ellis House with $425,000 for site operations and nearly $338,000 for site maintenance. Point Ellis House also received $226,000 in a one-time grant through the BC 150 Time and Memorial Program, which ran in 2021. Point Ellis House was sold to the province in 1975 and offered a window into what life was like in BC's capital more than a century ago. The property contained more than 12,000 artifacts owned by the O'Reilly family, who had originally lived in the home for decades starting in the late 1800s, according to the Point Ellis House website. The items spanned from 1890 to 1920 and included household items like clothing, board games, kitchen utensils, writing desks, and more. Black says some of his favorite memories from Point Ellis House include restoration efforts of the South Garden, 
or the kitchen garden, located on the property. It was previously mostly lawn, and we restored it to a vegetable and cut flower garden, which is what it was historically used for, he said. In 2022, we grew over 600 pounds of food, which was donated to the Rock Bay Community Fridge and the Victoria Kool-Aid Society. Black says he's proud of the museum's efforts toward reconciliation and truth-telling. When we took over the site in 2019, one of the first things we did was make the legacy and harmful impacts of the Indian Reserve Commission front and center for the visitors, he said. The patriarch of the O'Reilly family, Peter O'Reilly, was the head of that commission for 18 years, and his work had devastating impacts for First Nations in the province. Black says that by highlighting this aspect of history, important conversations have been sparked about something that was not previously talked about at the museum. The O'Reilly family lived at the Point Ellis house when the Point Ellis Bridge collapsed in 1896, killing 55 people. Members of the family were some of the first on the scene to help try to rescue survivors, according to diary entries from the O'Reilly family members. Black says he hopes the community members who have an interest in history will speak up about keeping historical sites alive. These places need support, not only from their communities, but also from their elected officials, he said. They're special contributors in so many ways, and the investment is a small one, but the return is invaluable, said Black. We need people to let that be known before we lose another museum or heritage site. Climate activist spreads paint on mammoth at Royal BC Museum. A climate activist was escorted out of the Royal BC Museum by police Wednesday morning after spreading pink paint on the museum's woolly mammoth replica. Organizers of the protest described it as the launch of a new campaign called On to Ottawa, a caravan that will depart Vancouver on April 1st and travel to Canada's capital. Laura Sullivan, a 24-year-old climate activist and former UBC engineering student, applied the paint to the mammoth's tusks. I will be going to Ottawa as part of a caravan to demand immediate action to tackle the climate and ecological emergency and would encourage everyone to join, especially youth, Sullivan said in a statement from the campaign. Organizers said the caravan intends to issue an ultimatum to the Prime Minister and his cabinet for their alleged criminal action on climate change. The ultimatum calls for the government to establish a citizens' assembly to decide how Canada's economy will be transformed to tackle the climate and ecological emergency in the next two to three years, and threatens waves of caravans that will aim to occupy Ottawa indefinitely until their demands are met. On to Ottawa described Sullivan's protest Wednesday as a continuation of the worldwide disruptions of iconic paintings and symbols to wake people and governments up to the urgent actions needed to tackle the climate emergency. Last year, climate activists made international headlines for throwing soup on a Vincent van Gogh painting at the National Gallery in London. Closer to home, protesters opposed to the coastal gas link pipeline in northern BC threw maple syrup onto an Emily Carr painting at the Vancouver Art Gallery in November. The museum confirmed the vandalism occurred around 11 a.m. and said staff had already removed the washable paint from the mammoth by 1 p.m. Museum security staff safely reprimanded those involved and called the Victoria Police Department, who quickly arrived on the scene and escorted the activists into custody, said the museum in a statement. There was no permanent damage to Woolley, who has been a favorite for visitors to the museum for over 40 years, and the exhibition was reopened within 90 minutes, the statement added. The Victoria Police Department says three people were arrested for the incident Wednesday, and that other visitors to the museum were present during the vandalism. Vancouver Chinatown's new Chinese-Canadian Museum to open this fall. The organization behind the future Chinese-Canadian Museum in Vancouver's historic Chinatown district has announced the permanent home for its attraction will open on July 1st, 2023. Ahead of the attraction's opening this summer, 
The museum's not-for-profit society announced today that it has received $3.8 million in new donations towards its opening and operations. Quote, The significance of these major gifts from two prominent and respected nation-building families of Chinese heritage is not lost on us, said Chinese-Canadian Museum Chair Grace Wong, who also provided a private donation of $1.1 million last fall. The museum will take over the Wing Sang Building at 51 East Pender Street, just across from the Chinese Cultural Center and Dr. Sun Yat-sen Classical Chinese Garden, all within the core of Chinatown's cultural and retail node. Royal BC Museum brings public engagement tour to Kelowna. Buster the Dinosaur is coming to Kelowna. The popular Dinosaurs of BC exhibition from the Royal BC Museum will be traveling to the Okanagan by mid-2024. Traveling exhibits were one of the topics on the table when the Royal BC Museum brought its public engagement roadshow to Kelowna. The museum team stopped in the city Wednesday evening. They embarked on a province-wide information gathering tour in the wake of former Premier John Horgan's June 2022 decision to hit pause on the $789 million planned rebuild of the Royal BC Museum. So what are they going to hear? Quote, We're ultimately looking to build partnerships with each of the different communities based upon where they're coming from, as opposed to being the director of that relationship because we're the provincial museum. So this is really a chance for us to engage in a meaningful way, and I think in a way that the museum hasn't historically done, explains museum CEO Alicia Dubois. She says they're trying to build a story at the museum that more fully represents the province. It is also an opportunity to understand what aspects of the collections could be brought into the community. New exhibit in Prince George Gallery brings personal perspective to Métis history. Growing up in the northern BC community of Fort St. James, Aaron Stagg was surrounded by carrier culture and learned all about it. At the same time, she found out very little about her own heritage. Stagg is now an interdisciplinary artist who lives in Prince George, around 160 kilometers southeast of her hometown. Last week, she was front and center in the opening of her new exhibit in Prince George's Two Rivers Gallery. The exhibit springs from Stagg's learning journey. It's called Ote Pimsak, The People Who Own Themselves, and it illustrates through a series of acrylic paintings stories of the Métis people through Stagg's own family history. Quote, I found many of these stories through different parts of my life, and I've brought them all together in this exhibit to help me tell the stories of my people, to my family, to my brothers, to my daughter, to my mother, and to other people so it can be a way of educating about Métis history in a way that's really beautiful, she said. One of the paintings in the exhibit, Buffalo People, features Stagg's second great-grandfather, Zachary Pitch, standing on a hillside in front of a stationary buffalo with a Métis settlement down below. Stagg said her inspiration came from a photograph of Pitch, which she stumbled across in a museum in Willow Bunch, Saskatchewan. Stagg says seeing Pitch come to life in a painting is more meaningful than just seeing a name in her family tree. And now on to our Who's News segment. The Vernon Public Art Gallery is happy to welcome back Megan Byers from her paternity leave. She's an important member of the team and they're grateful to have her back with them in the capacity of marketing and events coordinator. Barkerville Historic Town and Parks CEO Kate Cox was awarded Businesswoman of the Year at the BC Tourism and Hospitality Conference Awards Gala in Prince George on March 2nd. Her acceptance speech included praise for her staff as well as a call to action for all heritage sites to continue the important task of creating inclusive spaces that incorporate Indigenous perspectives into the storytelling of colonial sites. 
Aliyah Bubard has been appointed as curator of the Bill Reed Gallery of Northwest Coast Art. Aliyah has acted as assistant curator at the gallery since 2020 and will take on the curator role as of May 16, 2023. Aliyah is Anishinaabe and a member of the Sagkeen First Nation located on Treaty 1 territory in Manitoba. She is an emerging curator and multi- multidisciplinary artist, exploring photography, digital illustration, and traditional beading. She completed a Bachelor of Fine Arts from the University of Manitoba in 2020 and recently graduated with a post-baccalaureate diploma in Indigenous Studies from Simon Fraser University. Aliyah will take over the role from Beth Carter. Since starting at the Bill Reed Gallery in 2015, Beth has implemented a curatorial vision that brought together Indigenous artists and museum visitors through diverse thematic exhibitions, public programs, and opportunities for community collaboration. She oversaw the development of the gallery's school education program, grew the collections, and placed a focus on mentoring emerging Indigenous cultural workers. Beth will continue to play a role at the gallery after May, helping to orient and mentor Aaliyah in various aspects of the curator position. Hawa, thank you, Beth, for your significant contributions to the success of the Bill Reed Gallery. As always, it's been a pleasure to bring you the Muse News. I'm Leah. I'm Ryan Hunt. We'll be back next month with your Sector News Recap. Bye.